This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hi, I'm Will Summer, and welcome to the Daily Beast Fever Dreams. I'm a politics reporter at the Daily Beast. My book on QAnon, Trust the Plan, The Rise of QAnon, and the Conspiracy that Unhinged America, will be available in February and is available for pre-order now. And I'm Kelly Weil. I am also a reporter at the Daily Beast, and I'm the author of the book Off the Edge, Flat Earthers, Conspiracy Culture, and Why People Will Believe Anything. On this podcast, we're going to take you on plunges into the sometimes hilarious, sometimes scary fanatics infecting the way that millions of Americans view the world and how they vote. Even in the aftermath of the Trump administration, the energy of these conspiracy theorists, grifters and influencers is still pushing our mainstream political landscape closer and closer to a breaking point. Welcome back to Fever Dreams. As always, I'm Will Summer, and I'm here with the Daily Beast, Kelly Weil. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm all right, Will. How's it going? You know, things have been better. So... We are going to do this week, we're going to do kind of a a little format buster of a Fever Dreams episode. So the midterms are next week. And I was thinking, what would be the Fever Dreams final word on this election? Obviously, there are people you you should trust more with who's going to win and questions like that. But there's something that has been kind of bugging me that it's not getting barely any attention. And I thought, hey, we have a podcast, we can talk about it. And the thing is, the fact that potentially, I think there's a very good chance that at least two Secretary of State's positions in battleground states will be won by people who are part of a coalition put together by a QAnon promoter people think is JFK Jr. So I thought I would devote this episode to that man, Juan Osaban, and his coalition and how they could destroy American democracy. How does that sound? I mean, for our episode, great for American democracy, not so hot. (laughs) So we're going to go into this guy's background. He's a very shadowy character. I think you had a story last week on him. I had one a couple months ago. There is a lot of like dredging up you have to do about this guy. And, And this is one of these things where I think the reason this guy's coalition doesn't get as much attention as it should is because I think there's real bias in the media towards making everything sound normal. And even here on Fever Dreams, where I think our audience is more willing to roll with crazy sounding things than most. I think we are still going to come off as a little crazy in terms of what we're about to lay out today. Absolutely. It's a very true bias because this stuff is really, really out there and it floats under the radar with a pretty standard name and candidates who look, if not normal, then normal adjacent. And yeah, I think, Will, you can bring us into the weeds of just how weird this guy is. We're going to dive on in here, but we're talking about the Republican Secretary of State candidates in Nevada, Arizona, New Mexico, the gubernatorial candidate in Pennsylvania, Michigan as well. So, this is not like Will and Kelly found three kooks and we're freaking out over them. I mean, this is real stuff. So what I wanted to highlight, though, right before we dive in here, is like sometimes there's reporting that's sort of on the edges of this QAnon coalition. The New York Times has written some profiles of them. The Washington Post has. But they really avoid mentioning the fact that it's run by a QAnon JFK Jr. guy. So, for example, I was looking at one where just recently the Times last week profiled Mark Fincham, who's running for Secretary of State in Arizona. They, oh, yeah, he's part of this coalition, but they kind of leave out the whole QAnon part. Sometimes the Times mentions 
Juan O'Savin. Now, clear folks, this guy's name is Juan, initial O, S-A-V-N. But the Times does it like he's Irish, and they do Juan O'Savin. Clan O'Savin, don't you know them? <laughs> It's absolutely nuts. I feel like I'm going crazy here that people are just kind of doing such a mediocre job on this thing that I think could potentially be a really big deal. Okay, so to establish who Wano Savin is, and I should say this is an alias. It is supposed to be sort of a play on the number 107. It's not entirely clear to me what the significance of that is. Of course, QAnon believers love the number 17. So there might be 107, 17. There's, there's some similarity there. I've heard different versions of it, but this is an alias. His real name is Wayne Willett. I think we're going to refer to him as Juan or Juan of Saban throughout because I think that's just easier rather than switching between names. But so just sort of to establish what this guy's rhetoric is, he just puts out all these videos and he's driving around and he kind of like does kind of a crummy, like a quasi job of hiding his identity. He tries to like keep the camera away from his face, but sometimes he accidentally reverses it and shows his face. <laughs> we have a clip here of basically Juan in August driving around. He's got his big cowboy hat on the car, doing sort of the classic guy driving around talking thing. But obviously with him, you don't see his face. And he's talking about those of you who stay with me, we're going to grind our enemies up into snake guts. You know, the Secretary of State's doing all sorts of weird stuff here. Uh, we really need to go after that position. I did a little research and found that when America was attacked by George Soros in this most recent thing was in 2004, and they put all the money to get Secretary of States elected that they were that they wanted, and the first state that they went after the Secretary of State position was in Las Vegas, was in uh, uh, Reno or uh, Nevada. Okay, so this is a guy, it kind of sounds like a regular QAnon-type guy. The unique thing about him is that he's put together this group of candidates who sort of treat him as, as their hero, or at least a very influential figure. So to give you an example, this guy, this former state rep named Jim Marchant, he is a guy who's like deep into Trumpism. In 2020, he loses an election of his own. He checks into the Venetian Hotel near the Trump legal team and sort of is like, how are we going to... The Venetian, I will say, kind of pops up over and over in a weird way like trump supporter wayne allen root who's like a commentator he just got kind of a somewhat suspicious knighthood bestowed on him at the venetian so this is this is sort of a, a place that pops up a lot so he checks in and this is a quote he later gave i got a suite in the venetian hotel across the hall from the trump attorneys that came here to start investigating the election fraud and guess who showed up at my suite juan o'savin there's a real like fear and loathing element here they're all hanging out they're kind of like louches hanging out around the same hotel they all know the guy who knows the guy and suddenly a mysterious knock on the door. Exactly. I mean, for me, it has like real like sort of James Elroy, American tabloid vibe. <laughs> Guys kind of checking into hotel rooms in Las Vegas, feeling low. And then someone says, hey, you're getting called up. You know, we need you back in the game, Jim. Compliments from the man at the end of the bar <laughs> and someone slides yes. you like a fake box of ballots or something. Yes, that's exactly it. So that's sort of the Juan Savin's introduction to this scene. And then we have, in a story Kelly wrote, and we're going to play some audio here, he just recently, last month, gave a speech where he talks about all his candidates, his the various candidates he has. Now, the thing is, you would think, I don't trust these QAnon people. They love to lie. They make stuff up. They're nuts. But when all these candidates say, oh, yeah, no, I work with that guy. He rocks. You got to start listening to him. See that here in the country. We're about to get our moment when the inheritance is returned to us. And it will be in our hands, the responsibility and the beauty and the benefit of that for our children's children. 
there's going to be a moment of testing and trial, this near-death experience after which. And just a reminder for listeners, these Secretary of State candidates, that role you don't hear about too, too much. You really only hear about a Secretary of State of a state if something's going wrong, but it is pretty consequential in how elections are run. These are the people who certify their state's elections. And if a state Secretary of State wants to put their foot down and say, nah, something was wrong with the presidential election or a gubernatorial election, well, that's a huge hang up. And it's a real worry that If you install these election denying secretary of state candidates, well, that's letting the fox into the hen house. Exactly. I mean, if these are like hardcore people who think the election was stolen in 2020 and now they're going to run the elections. Now, how do we think they're going to do that? And in particular, if it's a close election, let's say in Democrats win, I mean, do you think these people are going to put their finger on the scale as Donald Trump asked the secretary of state of Georgia to do back in 2020? And I think probably. So, Will, Jim Marchant is in the Venetian. He's feeling low and he hears a knock on the door. Who is it? <laughs> so it's Juan Osaven, and he says, Jim, we got to investigate this stolen election. Now, Juan Osaven is a, a very marginal QAnon figure. So basically, these guys start working together. A couple months later, in May 2021, they have a meeting, once again in Las Vegas, of a sort of who's who of election deniers. We've got, they claim Patrick Byrne, the Overstock.com founder, was there, a very wealthy guy who is funding a lot of these election denial groups. The Gateway Pundit's brother is there. Or, and sometimes what I'm saying there, sometimes these guys are zooming in. You've got all of these kind of characters, like a a lot of QAnon people are there as well. And Jim Marchant's there, of course. And so this is what becomes the Secretary of State Coalition. People across the country who are going to often state legislators who are going to run and, in their view, prevent 2020 from ever happening again. So now let's take a step back in time and say, what's the deal with Wano Saban? How has this gravelly voiced man come to be sort of the puppet master behind potentially some of these secret- future secretaries of state? And so travel with me, if you will, to 1990s Arkansas, a place where journalists, and private investigators and amateur conspiracy theorists run amok looking for dirt on then-President Bill Clinton. Will, you have this great history of Juan Osevin at the time, Wayne Willett, and there's some real spy versus spy stuff going on in here in, in Arkansas. So you have Savin Willett, whatever you want to call him, on the ground in Arkansas. He's looking for dirt. He wants to be the one to really blow the lid off this whole Clinton situation. And what was he doing there in the 90s? So this is like, people have to remember, this was like a time where it was like people were looking for dirt on Bill Clinton's affairs. They were looking for dirt on Bill and Hillary Clinton's business deals. And a lot of this stuff did not pan out. And so you have a lot of people kind of like proffering deals and data and proof to journalists in often very kind of shady ways. And so there's this guy named Wayne Willett, the man who would become Juan Osaven one day. And he's a Seattle private investigator. Even now, a lot of his background is unclear. But he teams up with talk radio host Michael Reagan, who's one of the sons of Ronald Reagan. And he's like, he would kind of call in and be like, I'm digging up some more dirt on Bill Clinton in Arkansas. Now, I asked Michael Reagan about this old friendship of his. His daughter replied and said her dad had no memory of him. I guess I wasn't going to argue about it, but I doubt it. (laughs) So basically, as you said, I mean, a a spy versus spy thing where there's kind of this other shady character. There's like who's maybe like a pro Clinton double agent. And he starts tailing one Clinton adversary who then puts Wayne Willett on him. And all these guys kind of start tailing each other. I, I talked to this reporter for the American Spectator, which was really all over this Clinton stuff in the 90s. And that guy called Wayne Willett a real 
bottom dweller. So this is the kind of guy we're working with. So then, meanwhile, he's also doing this private investigation stuff up in Alaska. Obviously, Seattle's relatively close to Alaska. So he's going up there and doing kind of these classic, like, workman's comp investigations where it's like, okay, this injured employee is wearing a neck brace, but I'm going to videotape him, like, digging a ditch on his lawn, that kind of stuff. This real cue man of the people stuff, is this person sufficiently injured? <laughs> Let me work with the real people's rights insurance companies to make sure that no one's getting more than their due. That's a great way to put it. Yeah, it definitely worked out for the little guy. And he runs into some issues there. He basically, like, inadvertently videotapes himself just, like, bashing both his boss and the person he's trying to... <laughs> He kind of like suggesting he's going to like kind of bend the rules and like, oh, I really want to get this dirt bag or whatever. Man, that's hard to do with 90s technology, too, because I know that sometimes when he's recording himself now, he accidentally flips around the camera and shows his face. But to do that in what, 97, you've got to be using like a handheld camera and still accidentally run a sting on yourself. That's a great point. I mean, he does have these kind of perennial issues with video cameras. And so basically he runs into this issue with the, the workman's comp board up there, which rules him to be like not really a credible witness. So as all this is going on and, and we're kind of jumping around in time here now we're sort of in the final days of the gw bush administration and he starts calling into this radio show this real like right-wing radio show he goes by the alias w the intelligence insider now wayne who we know is a i guess semi-successful private investigator in alaska positions himself as sort of this like quasi cia agent who has all these secret affiliations he says he knows all these like kind of russian guys that are were involved in devaluing the ruble I mean, he's sort of, at one point, this host basically refers to him as the real-life James Bond. So, and I should say, the listeners of the show do not know Wayne Willett's identity. They only know him as, like, this very secretive figure. And this all would, of course, come out later in a lawsuit. Well, this is sort of the proto-Q, isn't it? I mean, W versus Q, but basically, these guys are, they construct these identities where there are some private person, their name is too secret to be divulged, but they're working with top-level intelligence, right? They're really pulling the strings and they're about to reveal some secret plot. It's all going to fall into the open now. I think it's really interesting that he tried to be that kind of figure before QAnon, which he's sort of a supporting character in. Yeah, Kelly, that's a great point. I mean, there's certainly people when they try to figure out like who's Q or you look at sort of the ideological antecedents to QAnon, you sort of see these strands, uh, whether it be on 4chan or in other right-wing media outlets of just, I mean, look, it's very convenient to have a guy who's like, yeah, the economy's going to crash. And by the way, people should probably buy some brain pill. Those guys are, there's sort of like an endless desire for those guys, I think, if you're running a conservative media outlet. So at this point, Q takes starts taking off. And Juan, by now, let's say it's like 2017, 2018. Wayne has ditched the W, the Intelligence Insider moniker. And now he's styling himself as Juan Oseva. And he starts calling into this radio show hosted by a guy in Wisconsin named Field McConnell. Now, Field McConnell was a commercial airline pilot who basically got drummed out in the aughts because he refused to take a psychological exam. So you can kind of get the drift there. And so he becomes a 9-11 truther and sort of says that I, as a pilot, I can prove that 9-11 was an inside job. And then he kind of attaches like a very weird group of guys to himself up in this like very remote part of Wisconsin. And he starts like, like he has this guy named Dr. Good Vibes, who I believe is like an area chiropractor. I don't think that's a real doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, so there's Dr. Good Vibes. He has a guy who calls in claiming to be General Mattis, but I haven't proven it, but I don't what? think it was. He would say like, oh yeah, like it's me, General Mattis. Everyone's got to buy Zim bonds if people <laughs> if people remember the iraqi dinar scam this yes. is kind of like that it's like a worthless currency and so juan sort of joins that group and there's 
this heavy insinuation on the Field McConnell show that which has I when, before he was banned from a lot of platforms. I mean, Field was pulling in like hundreds of thousands of views. So this is not a super small group, but there's a heavy insinuation that Juan is JFK Jr. And so, of course, Juan is the becomes the second JFK Jr. monk, along with Vincent Fusca. But I think they consider each other rivals to be JFK Jr. There's quite a few JFK Juniors now. There's at least, I believe, three because Protzman down in Texas, I think, is also styled as JFK Jr. So this is a running obsession with Q World. Yeah, like the Dallas crew. We need some kind of final tribunal or something to settle this. And so <laughs> basically, so he becomes this kind of like, remember the cast, like kind of the Sesame Street crew here and, and he's hanging out and meanwhile i should say field mcconnell is also linking up with these women who have lost custody of their kids through family court and who then become obsessed with QAnon and sort of become these cause celebs on his show to raise money i've written extensively about these groups but basically one of these women cindy absug is basically links up with his group and allegedly plots to attack the foster home where her son is being raised and eventually goes on the run with, according to the people who were with her, with help from Field and his audience and is later arrested by the FBI. We're talking, this is in, I believe, 2019. So Juan kind of figures in here too, because at one point they're kind of like in, they're in the deep South and they're on the run from the FBI and Juan pops up at a hotel and is meeting with them. But ultimately she's arrested and Juan then sends these emails to people that is like, the QAnon operation must disavow her immediately. He's like, QAnon looks like a bunch of hillbillies because of her. So Juan is maybe not the guy you want in your corner when things get rough. So now we're kind of like at this point where Juan is going to go from being someone who's like pretty much a nobody outside of like some very intense streams on Rumble to a guy who really like rises to power quickly. And so I want to run down what this guy believes. Like we've been talking a lot about his affiliations and stuff, but I did read his book. It's called Kid by the Side of the Road, which is a reference to JFK Jr. watching his father's funeral procession. Little info tidbit, by the way. He's been hawking those actually on the road on a road tour, and people are accusing him of grifting because they've been ordering one and they've not been arriving in the mail. So that's interesting. I'm very glad you got your hands on a copy, Will. It was a PDF that was available online. <laughs> I mean, this guy sells these copies for like hundreds of dollars just for like one signed book. So, I mean, this is a guy with, with some significant clout behind him, at least in QAnon world. So look, here's the world according to 107. The United States is controlled by the city of London which is itself controlled by 13 royal families with these kind of sinister bloodlines. The DC is sort of a laid out according to the beliefs of a Babylonian sex cult. The state, location of the State Department at Foggy Bottom was based on sort of its powerful positions for wizardry. Oh, to be fair, this is not totally unlike what New York City Mayor Eric Adams believes. He believes the city is built on very powerful stones that he collects and they radiate energy. Powerful mineral. <laughs> So maybe these guys would have a little something to talk about. So just to leave you with sort of a representative quote from this book. Well, first of all, he says Fauci was giving all these satanic symbols in his press conferences. The Washington Monument is based on, this would be the cabal, based on the cabal symbology representing Osiris's missing penis, which ISIS fashioned out of stone to have sex with Osiris's court. Okay. <laughs> Is this really just kind of a baseline observation, Will? But this isn't a normal thing that people think about. Like, if you've arrived there, something's gone seriously astray. And yet he's selling probably thousands of copies of this book. So there's a demand for it. Like right now on his this sort of affiliated website with him, you can buy a copy of this book with like kind of a weird Melania custom design on it for 500 bucks. So Juan's now been in QAnon for a couple of years. And it's 2021, the October 2021, this event called the Patriot Double Down, which is sort of the big Q 
QAnon conference is coming up in Las Vegas. We know Las Vegas is a powerful node for Wano save and So he's going there. But curiously, I should say he does all these videos. He never reveals his face or he tries not to. And so all of these videos, and I, these videos are like hours long. They're really boring. He just zooms in on his feet all the time. And it really looks like a, like a fetish thing. And so it's a lot. He's really into his feet too. He'll call himself like the man behind the boot and everything. He's got these cowboy <laughs> boots he wears. It's, I don't want to see any reminder. This that man much. is from Seattle. This man is from Seattle. <laughs> He's going to the Patriot Double Down. And this is billed as like a really big deal because people, it's a big thing on Minecraft YouTube when people reveal their faces. <laughs> well, Juan is going to do a face reveal. And so people are freaking out. But also I would say like a lot of cute on people hate Juan because they hate the JFK Jr. stuff and consider it embarrassing to their otherwise very respectable movement. So they're really mad about that Juan has been invited. And so he's doing one of his videos and we're looking at his boots and he says, yeah, I'm going with Jim Caviezel. You might say, Jim Caviezel? The actor? Jesus? Jesus, yes, from Passion of the Christ. <laughs> and we knew that Jim Caviezel was getting a little Q-pilled because he was at this event in Oklahoma earlier in 2021 in which he was like, oh yeah, the elites are drinking all the adrenochrome, whatever. But I thought there's no way Juan, of all people, this guy who to me, it was a very marginal figure, has suddenly become a sort of guru to Jim Caviezel. But at the Patriot Double Down, who rolls up with Jim Caviezel? But Juan. In a sports car, no less, right? It, Juan rolls up in like a Ferrari. Hundreds of people in this crowd go absolutely nuts. This is like the rock star of the QAnon movement. Now, Juan is revealed to be a guy who kind of looks like a dude who might be on two episodes of Yellowstone. Someone tending some bison in the background. That away. The bison escaped, chief. Well, that's. <laughs> and so, I mean, he's got kind of like a suede vest. He's got a beard. He's like, I would say he's in his maybe late 50s, early 60s. So he's really palented up with Jim Caviezel. I should say Juan is also sort of a QAnon guru to Roseanne, comedian. I mean, they do a lot of rumbles together. So Juan gets up there and he gives a speech and he puts up like a weird Melania Trump dress. And he's kind of like, it's like some sort of symbol to him. So what I'm saying is that this guy has emerged from just absolute obscurity from the just forgotten realms of 1990s conspiracy theory stuff to now become maybe the most prominent figure in the QAnon movement now. But here's the twist. He's not just a QAnon guy, right? He's a guy who has put together with Jim Marchand a group of people who stand a very excellent chance of controlling elections. Now, to run it down again, that's Christina Caramo in Michigan, Secretary of State. Jim Marchant, Secretary of State candidate. Doug Mastriano, who is running for governor, but who will appoint the Secretary of State. This candidate in New Mexico, who likely will lose. But also Mark Fincham in Arizona, who also stands a decent chance. So we're looking at several Secretary of State candidates who just love Juan Osaven and have signed on to his beliefs, which again include just absolutely, totally nutty stuff about D.C. being a satanic sacrifice pit, Osiris's penis, etc. And they see him as sort of a mentor figure. And well, I mean, it almost at some point feels redundant to go into the crazy things this guy talks about. And yet I still feel like we have to underscore some of them because he was a regular speaker in something called Truth Tour 2. If you guys were following the Reawaken America tour that we talked about last week, this is sort of a knockoff. This is sort of the B-listers and they were going around hotel conference rooms across the country with flat earthers and spiritual gurus and telling people what's what. Juan Osaven was a celebrity on this tour and he had some really frankly alarming comments about what he'd like to do in power. He was talking about how he advised Trump, not directly, but would like Trump to have, he said, got the hell out of Dodge, worked from Air Force One, surrounded 
DC in concertina wire, like in the Fallujah insurgency, and then ordered everybody out. Everybody had to come out with their hands up and submit to fingerprinting and turn over all their devices. And everybody who didn't do that would be described as an enemy combatant. They would flood the city. And now, listen, does this guy have the actual capabilities to do that? No, right, right. I mean, he's a LARPer. But the fact that this is an applause line at these conferences, the fact that this is something that a an affiliate of secretary of state candidates feels comfortable and in fact proud of saying on his i don't know what you call it not campaign trail but little tour of the country that's pretty damn alarming and we've seen in the aftermath of january 6th these folks have no issue advocating violence against people they think are is their enemies so i don't think we've even found the bottom of what this guy is willing to say Yeah, I mean, this is like a let's do a coup guy. And now he's organized this group of people who are going to run elections. And this is not one of these things where we're kind of like, oh, this one secretary of state candidate followed this guy on Twitter or whatever. I mean, you listen to these people talk. I believe it was his secretary of state candidate in California who got knocked out, but who was saying like Juan's word is essentially gospel to us. Like what Juan says, we believe. And why not? Because they think Juan is Q's best friend. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's stunning, actually, the level of connection between these very plausible candidates and this crazy guy, right? Well, you and I have been writing about this stuff for a while. And I think back in 2018, we'd be like, oh, no, Corey Stewart interacted with the League of the South guy on Twitter. And that was a big deal. No one blinks an eye at that anymore. The other weekend, all these secretary of state candidates were at a conference with Juan Osavin and Laura Logan about, what, five days before she was banned from Newsmax for saying that the elites were drinking baby blood. And they weren't just in the lineup with him. They were saying, Juan Osavin, isn't he great? There's the man himself. Everyone knows who this guy is, and they treat him as this sort of tribune. So it's obviously been a crazy couple weeks, and the Paul Pelosi attack. I felt like things were even moving so quickly from that, like how quickly the right wing media, there wasn't even like really a show of contrition or grief or sadness. It was just instantly like, all right, let's gin up some conspiracy theories instantly. And so I thought this episode would be a good time to sort of pause and think about things and maybe try to like get ourselves on some firm ground here. And so with that in mind, we have to invite on the world's leading expert on Wano Savin, Alex Kaplan of Media Matters. He tracks Wano Savin's many media appearances and just he knows all about what this guy is up to and his connections to these candidates. So I'm excited to have Alex on. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Fever dreams like all Daily Beast journalism exist because of the generous support of our subscribers, the people who pay for access to Daily Beast reporting and who are, quite frankly, our favorite people on the face of the planet. Want to get in on all the action? Join now and get unlimited access to Beast reporting, exclusive ad-free newsletters, and our undying appreciation. Head to feverdreams.thedailybeast.com to sign up. Okay, this week on Fever Dreams for our very special Wano Savin episode, there was only one guy we could have on, the only person maybe more obsessed with Wano Savin and his QAnon Secretary of State Coalition than us, 
I'm speaking, of course, of Media Matters senior researcher and the guy to go to for all things QAnon, Alex Kaplan. Alex, welcome. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so you are the guy, you are on the front lines here of watching these awful live streams zoomed into Juan's feet all the time. I was just watching another and I was like, I really, it looks like a fetish thing. They just like, it just zooms in on the boots. So you are, how did you find yourself as maybe the world's premier want to save an expert so i have been tracking QAnon for a while i've been tracking it for the last few years seeing it have extreme influence online and increasingly in society and that included monitoring conferences by a QAnon influencer known online as QAnon john i watched one conference that he had last year in las vegas and i wasn't that familiar with Juan Save at the time i admit but i knew he was attending and he some People, so the conference was three days. And the last day, multiple political candidates spoke. And one of them was a guy named Jim Marchant. Actually, it was it was controversial, his attendance to begin with. And it was kind of him, it was, he hemmed and hawed about going. But when he wound up going and he went on stage and made this shocking admission, frankly, claiming that, that he formed this coalition of Secretary of State candidates, and he's running for Nevada Secretary of State, Republican candidates, election denier candidates, and claimed that this coalition and that his candidacy, frankly, was inspired by and heavily, was heavily connected to a QAnon influencer who was attending the conference known as Juan O'Saban. And he said that Juan O'Saban basically helped form this coalition and encouraged him to run. And I remember talking to other QAnon researchers at the time. We were watching the speech and we were all shocked. We, we couldn't believe that we heard what he just said. We were all like, did he say that correctly? Because that was an admission. And when I heard that, I was like, okay, this is something I need to dig into further and keep an eye on and see what even start saying. So you're saying this was a stunning admission? Yeah. So this was a, a stunning thing to say. And I recognized pretty much immediately how significant this was and felt that, okay, that there was more to dig into here. I felt that there could be more that has been said in, in interviews online involving Sabin, Bob Tavin. And I started from there looking into what he has said online and particularly since the conference. So, Alex, can you set the scene for these conferences? Because I know a lot of people hear conferences think, oh, cool, that sounds above board. That's what I do for my job. These conferences are a little off the wall. So, like, what's the vibe there and who's speaking at these events? Yeah, so these aren't uh, normal conferences. Dunan John's had these some of these conferences so far. They're not normal conferences. They are basically rallies involving MAGA figures but and QAnon influencers. And they include videos that overtly express support or like overtly push QAnon and they have other people in the I would say in Magaverse speaking like right-wing pundits former people caught up in the Russia probe like George Papadopoulos stuff like that these aren't exactly normal conferences so at this conference Jim Marchant sort of introduces this idea of a coalition that he's in with Juan Osavin who are the other candidates in this coalition and how many of them are running in the general? So the numbers changed over time, but Savin is like claimed now, like a, I think he's claimed like a well over a dozen, maybe like 20, but I can say not all of them have like openly, I would say identify with, with Savin in person. There have been some that have more explicitly identified. There were some Besides Marchant that attended this QAnon conference, there was Christina Caramo running for Secretary of State in Michigan. There is Mark Fincham, 
who was running for who's running for secretary of state in Arizona. There was a at the time, Rachel Ham, who was running for secretary of state in California. She lost her primary, although Savin has basically claimed that she was a victim of voter fraud in the primary. There have been other candidates involved in this coalition who were not at the conference, like Doug Mastriano, running for governor of Pennsylvania because the secretary of state is appointed by the governor there. Carrie Lake has identified herself as part of this coalition, even though she's running for governor. There are others. Those are some of the more high profile ones. I have to say, as long as we're on the topic, I mean, Rachel Hamm, obviously, she's out of the running. She was probably not going to be a secretary of state of California. But I mean, really out there. I mean, she had this whole thing where she still a candidate she was like yeah like some witches lived near my house and i had a dream and then it was like the witches then someone came in real life and murdered the witch so it was kind of like a little spiritual warfare on my part got the witch murdered and it was pretty crazy stuff so so alex all these people it goes without saying are election deniers but what does their agenda look like i mean what do they want to do as secretary of state well it's hard for me to say for sure exactly what they would do if elected, but they believe essentially that the 2020 election was fraudulent, that it was stolen, and this is baseless. But I think the concern is that you know, if these people got elected, they could try to cast out on the election result, or frankly, just try to flat out overturn it and refuse to certify it, which I've said that what this could do is essentially connect QAnon to a constitutional crisis. And that's what could play out here if that's what happens. It's just crazy stuff. I mean, we're talking at least in Nevada and Arizona, two battleground states. I mean, these are these are people who are very well positioned, I think, to win next week. So the we're talking about a group that was organized by a QAnon guy, a sort of like even by the standards of QAnon, a pretty fringe QAnon guy, suddenly having all this access to I mean, the future of American elections and potentially the 2024 race. So what is it about Wano Savin, Alex, as an observer of his? What do you think is the appeal? What is the charisma? Because I'll be honest, I don't really see it. He seems to act like he has knowledge about everything. He's always giving opinions or analysis about all different types of stuff. He apparently is like a foreign policy expert. He's talking about stuff of Russia all the time, claims to have inside knowledge about like Apparently, like Facebook wasn't really founded by Mark Zuckerberg. He like claims the government was involved. He says that all the time. Again, this stuff like what he's saying like isn't true, but like they seem to think he's like some guru that has like this secret knowledge that other people don't have. And I think that's part of the appeal. And I should also note that there are some people in the QAnon community who think he is John F. Kennedy Jr., which is not true, but that is what some of them think. So that probably plays a role. So Alec, we're talking about kind of QAnon people, sort of the gullible of the internet, but how many people in this actual candidate coalition do you think believe in Lana Savin's shtick as opposed to just cynically going along with it? It's hard for me to say. Some of them seem to have expressed support for QAnon more explicitly. Mastriamo, for example, has like tweeted QAnon hashtags multiple times. Mark Fincham has pushed QAnon content on Gab, pushed like a QAnon conspiracy theory about watermark ballots. He's claimed about stuff, like officials being involved in a pedophile network. Marchant, his exact beliefs in QAnon are still a little unclear, but he's expressed comments that maybe are sympathetic. Talking about like a cabal, he's been friendly with QAnon John. He's been photographed with him while John wears a QAnon hat. He may be following QAnon channels online. So it's hard for me to say that I think it's notable that some of these people even knew Savin. I mean, as you've said, Savin seemed kind of more of a fringe figure, even in some of the QAnon landscapes. So it's 
significant and notable that they somehow knew who he was. I think that raises questions in and of itself. I mean, we talked about elsewhere on the episode, this moment where Jim Marchant is, his life's in the toilet. He's just lost his own election in 2020. Donald Trump is lost, or in Jim's view, has had the election stolen from him. America is in the hands of the enemy. And then he checks into the Venetian resort and he hears a knock on the door and he goes, holy smokes, it's Juan O'Savin. And I mean, that is so crazy to me. I mean, I was only familiar with this guy previously as sort of a, like a marginal figure in the QAnon, like sort of affiliated somewhat with the QAnon kidnappers. Like just crazy to me that suddenly this guy would vault himself up to hanging out, like organizing these secretary of state candidates, hanging out with Roseanne and Jim Caviezel, who, while in the broader world, or maybe not our favorite, the brightest celebrities in our world, are nevertheless like big deals on the right, that somehow this guy has just managed to sort of insinuate himself in, in this fascinating way. Alex, additionally, I would say even pulling back from the Wano Savin question. So what does it say about QAnon's role in the Republican Party that a guy like this can find himself in this position where he's sort of playing this kingmaker role or knitting together these coalitions? Yeah, I think it says how much the QAnon movement has burrowed itself in our political system and within the Republican Party. And in particular, when the election denial movement, the QAnon movement has really gained legs in it. This was not the only example of QAnon and burrowing itself in the election now movement, particularly from the Republican Party. We've had in recently, in recent months, particularly True the Vote and a major election denial organization that became big through the false film 2000 Mules claiming mass voter fraud has actively partnered with the QAnon community in order to supposedly feed claims of voter fraud to law enforcement that they've partnered up with. They have partnered with another group that was targeting ballot drop boxes which was founded by a QAnon supporter, and she has in turn partnered with the same QAnon influencer, many of the same QAnon influencers. And it's hard to say exactly how specifically QAnon influential or is tied to this per se, but like we've seen sometimes, I would say in the last year, some language in, in Republican circles about grooming and pedophilia that if not directly influenced by QAnon, I would say have been connected to it in a certain way. I think we've seen this connection grow, particularly over time, even with the mainstream media tech platform crackdowns. Alex, one thing that's really interesting to me is QAnon is obviously, well, its claims are fake, but a lot of the fundraising and the money coming in around Secretary of State races is real. So do you have any sense of how these people are turning this crazy claim into something that like actually makes bank for them? I'm not really sure exactly how the fundraising works has worked for this. It is notable that like, Honestly, I just, I don't know. I haven't seen much. Savin hasn't talked much about fundraising. My experience when he's talked about the coalition, he's talked more about his behind the scenes activity. And he's also talked about his election integrity forums a lot, which he has openly bragged that he got Laura Logan involved with. And he hasn't been on one of, at least one of his videos. So Alex, you are obviously, whether you like it or not, you're the world expert on Wano Savin. What are some details that jump out at you about him? I mean, I know he likes putting together these kind of QAnon songs. He has this kind of thing where he's always posing with this dress worn by Mel Melania Trump. What are your favorite Wano Savin details? Well, he sometimes likes to wear a 17 shirt. He often talks about the Q operation. I mean, I, it's not just that like he's a QAnon influencer and he's doing this. It's like he regularly talks about QAnon. He's not just like leaving it on the side here. I've more than once seen him wear a like 17 jersey, which is like probably almost certainly a reference to Q because Q is the 17th letter of the alphabet. 17 is often widely used as a substitute for Q in the QAnon community. I don't know if I'd say this a favorite, but he's repeatedly pushed 9-11 trutherism, which is pretty universal in the QAnon community, but he's said some really, like, even for 
9-11 trutherism, it's been a little weird. Like, he's claimed that, like, Dick Cheney headed some, like, secret government agency that's, like, been burrowing. And I think it's, like, a, a variation of the deep state stuff. But he claims, like, Dick Cheney was, like, secretly involved with it. Like, I think it's, like, a mask. When he, like, claimed he had health issues, I think he, like, what he was claiming is that it was really just a way for him to, like, get away and, like, head the secret government agency or something. Then he claimed, like, the CIA was involved in 9-11. And... He's also claimed that the 2017 Las Vegas mass shooting was somehow manufactured and that there wasn't really an increase in emergency room admissions that day or that night, even though that's blatantly false. And it was like, it takes two seconds to look up how that false that was. And he still continues to push it, even though I've pointed out that that was blatantly false. He has just said some really wild stuff. And again, the, the Mark Zuckerberg thing, he keeps claiming that like Mark Zuckerberg's like some mask for something with the government, which is just really wild and weird. And it's very weird. I think one element that might get lost in that with the Zuckerberg thing is there is an element of racism in it. I mean, he goes after Mark Zuckerberg's wife a lot. She's Chinese American. He implies that she's a plant. He's literally said, where does she come from? So it's this bizarre melding pot of like the worst conspiracy theories out there. And then he just sort of takes it to an extra level. It's the 107 spice on the top. Yeah. And I believe he's also talked about the Rothschilds. QAnon sometimes has a like a layer of there's always been, I think, like undertone of anti-Semitism. And when you hear these people talk about the Rothschilds or Zuckerberg, some, you know, depending on the context, but like, I think that's what it's hinting at. QAnon figures in the time have sometimes been even more explicit, but there's definitely been undertones of anti-Semitism. Alex Kaplan, thank you so much for helping us figure out exactly what the deal is with Wano Savin and his really strange Secretary of State coalition that has so far, I think, unfortunately gone under the radar for many folks. Again, Alex is on Twitter and he is a senior researcher at Media Matters. Alex, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. Okay, now for a little break from Wano Savin. I thought we would have Kelly head into hell and get us a bit for our weekly segment, Fresh Hell. This time, Kelly has gone down to Brazil. Kelly, what do you have? So elections may be over in Brazil, but the bullshit around them is not. For everyone who has been following, Lula, left-wing candidate, beat Jair Bolsonaro, who is the hard-right kind of Trumpist candidate down there. Bolsonaro has not as of this recording, outright challenged his loss, but conservatives in the U.S. are already doing it for him. So we're seeing a lot of the stop the steal people on the right pulling out the Trump playbook for contesting an election. And this is happening, I have to say, like the night Bolsonaro's loss was announced. They were ready to roll with this. So we are seeing folks like Steve Bannon, who has been standing Bolsonaro for ages. He's been doing a lot of hits on Brazilian right-wing media. And really the night of the election, Bannon was already saying there is no mathematically possible way that Bolsonaro has lost this. Now, we got to break that down because all the polling long in advance showed Bolsonaro well behind Lula. Bolsonaro lost the preliminary elections to Lula. This was just a secondary election because they didn't meet the threshold of 50%. And so to call this mathematically implausible is an outright lie. There is no evidence suggesting that Bolsonaro was somehow cheated. But just like in the U.S., we're seeing all these very spurious claims. I have to read a couple more because some of these are just really stunning. Here's one from a guy who works for Getter, pro-Trump, tumbleweed social media platform. Bolsonaro should not repeat the mistake of Trump. Fight back against any fraud in a stolen election. Declare victory tonight. Again, this is an American's directive 
to a defeated Brazilian president. Yeah, I mean, first, I, th- I thought you were calling one of these guys a pro-Trump tumbleweed, which would be appropriate because I mean, these guys are really traveling all over the place. We know Jason Miller was briefly detained in Brazil last oh, year right. in sort of a very bizarre incident. Yeah, I mean, we think about the international right and their growing sort of desire for, for coups and for elections to be overturned. Here in the United States, we might call this national conservatism, where they're like, all right, you know what? Let's just like seize power and just finally use the government to really like really get nasty with our enemies. So we're seeing that here. We're seeing it in Hungary. We're seeing it in Brazil. We're seeing it in plenty of places. And so these guys, yes, as you said, I mean, they were really laying the groundwork for a sort of counter narrative should Bolsonaro decide to do a coup. I was watching preparation for this. I was watching Tuesday's episode of Steve Bannon's podcast. And Bannon is like Mr. International. And he had on this guy named Matthew Tiermond, who is like one of these, he's kind of like seemingly hapless operatives until they're not hapless anymore. He's affiliated with James O'Keefe, as well as this kind of this American stuff in, in Brazil. And so this news is moving fast. So this might be outdated by the time this episode comes out. But well, I'm hearing from my Brazilian sources that Bolsonaro is going to come and demand the military do an audit and that he's going to order a mass arrest of judges who have post him and bannon is like whoa like you're going a bit far man and they're like whoa like really chuckling about it i mean what is really what would be a coup they're very openly discussing how great that would be and so this stuff is it's not just in brazil right i mean these guys are these are all sort of runs for what they would like to do in the united states absolutely and what matthew tierman's talking about i mean not to give it any credit at all but i actually did look into some of the stuff that he's talking about with his sources and on twitter he's linking a blog i've never actually heard of sharing a report with an anonymous source who shared a dossier that claims that they ran this mathematical formula and it raised anomalies in the vote. Well, all that is just completely made up. But it sounds exactly like the playbook that we're seeing out of, say, red counties in New Mexico, right, where they will bring in some QAnon affiliated person who claims to have a magic algorithm that proves that Trump actually won by 700 percent. This is the same thing that they're running out, but it's not even in their own country this time. And well, I think one thing that kind of that gets my goat here is we're seeing now prominent conservatives calling this quote a u.s backed coup against bolsonaro i'm reading off of somebody's tweet where they have a video of people in brazil doing a roadblock it looks like they're going to take some potentially militant action in bolsonaro's support and this language about it's a u.s backed coup it, it really it rocks it does because one it's not true Two, it's not your country to cheerlead violence. And in three, historically, the U.S. actually has been involved in bloody right-wing coups in Latin America. Quite a lot of them have lent their support to tons of anti-democratic movements there. And these guys who are now cheerleading Bolsonaro, they love the dictators who come out of these coup campaigns. They love Pinochet, the Chilean dictator who threw leftists out of helicopters. Pinochet and that murder of people via helicopter is now valorized in a bunch of right-wing memes. It's on Proud Boy t-shirts. It's on bumper stickers. So these guys are not so peeved about a coup when it actually does happen, so long as it favors their guy. But neither of those things are happening right now. So they're really trying to invent the outrage uh, wholesale. On that note, let's wrap up this episode of Fever Dreams from The Daily Beast. In future installments, we'll also be speaking to some amazing guests at The Daily Beast and beyond, from politics to popular culture. We hope you'll subscribe to us on your preferred podcast app and share the show on social media and at your family dinner table. If you'd like to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Will Summer and Kelly is at Kelly Weil. That's W-E-I-L-L. 
Come say hi. This podcast is produced by Jesse Cannon with music by Brian DeMeglio. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 